There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Gompies, and welcome to 100% Hits Volume Pod, the podcast that looks at the greatest compilation series this country has ever produced. 100% Hits. My name is Josh Earl, and joining me this week, first time to the podcast, which surprises me, seeing we're up to episode 56, and on the old podcast, you're one of the most frequent guests. You know him from radio, you know him from comedy, you know him from Deadlock, currently on Amazon Prime. Please welcome us, Tom Ballard, yay! Hello, Josh. You know me from my love for the Whitlams. Um, yes, you love the Whitlams. They, they're coming up in a big way very soon. In, oh, this course. is the year 99, and then they didn't play anything off Eternal Nightcap on these compilations, but... Coming up to blow up the Pokies era, Oof, every every single every single compilation they were on. So, how many volumes per year were being released? About two or three, depending two on the year. Three. Yeah, right. gotcha. okay. depending on how much money EMI or Sony needed to make, they put out they pumped another <laughs> one out. Well, hang on, I, I don't think these albums were cynical exercises. I think they were a celebration of the greatest music that had been released that year. So, ninety nine. What kind of music you listen to in ninety nine? Well, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, like this, the the songs that we're going to discuss were certainly um, kicking around. Little Ballard. What am I? I'm um, ten years old. I'm in yep. grade four in primary school in Warrnambool in Country Victoria. I have entered the world of musical theatre at this point, so probably there's a lot of musical theatre albums that are um, rolling around. Yeah, still not gay. Um, and you're not I, gay. So you're not, saying that's the choice you cho- you chose. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't looked into it enough yet, so yes, I was still still weighing up my options. But um, yes, still not acknowledging the gayness, but still loving musical theatre. And uh, yeah, big hits. I guess yeah, Spice Girls were big. We had a cassette of the Spice Girls. We used to listen to a lot you know, while we were driving our car. Yeah. Um, the first single I ever bought was Five, um, which must be 1998 kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, or the first, first album rather, Five. five. Yep. What you waiting for? If you want a three two, one. Um, that were big for me. And uh, Bewitched was big, that single Bewitched. And um, Venus or Mars by Jackson Mendoza. Oh, that song? I remember the name Jackson Mendoza. I don't think I could tell you a song. Uh, Are you so from Venus or Mars? You had an older, you've got one old, older sibling, two older siblings? One older brother, Gavin. Yes, three yeah. years older than me. Mm-hmm. Was he influential in your music taste? I think not at this point, not in 99. Oh, actually, well, maybe he's probably starting to get Triple J Hold Us 100 compilations. Yeah. And I probably I, I actually getting introduced to a shitload of music that way. Yes. Yeah. Later on, his love for Ben Folds would, would directly influence my love for Ben Folds as well. So no. that was a big bonding moment. Yeah. I know. I know you like think I make fun of you for liking the Whitlams, but I also love that Eternal Nightcap album in yes. 97 when it came out. I was like, yeah, when I first heard No Aphrodisiac, I was like, this is the greatest song ever written. Yeah. Greatest, the greatest of all. Hey, I don't know I've, what Aphrodisiac was, but yeah, it's great. Yeah, I watched uh, the first three episodes of of, uh, of Deadlock. What's oh. it like to play the killer? <laughs> you can't say that. Here, here's my theory. Best. 
Here's Jeff my theory. Bezos will kill me. Go on. Okay, so Tom plays the character Sven. If you haven't seen it, I, I highly recommend seeing it. It's from the wickedly funny minds of Kate McLennan and Kate McCartney. <laughs> Twisted minds, if you ask me. They're, they're crazy. No, they're, no, they're, the, they're mid- but I, I love on the poster because it says the wickedly funny and it makes me yes. think of John Travolta every time. The wickedly talented. <laughs> <laughs> so it's set in a fictional Tasmanian town. Listeners yes. know I'm from also from Tasmania. So I am mm-hmm. watching it going, okay. What kind of Tasmania town is this? I'm like, this is a real Mona effect of Tasmania. Yes. Okay. They're having a festival. Okay. Tom's character, Sven. I grew up there. I've never met a Sven. He's, he's run from something. Okay. He's, he's come from, from some European country that the locals, they don't know what he's gone about. They don't ask questions. Okay. Yeah. There's a bit, they're taking DNA tests. Sven's taken all the tests. He's the only guy, he doesn't get tested. You're number one on my, th- you and whoever McDavies plays, my two, number one and two of my top of the list of who I think did it. Gosh, that's interesting. Yeah, I know I you can, can't say. but I can't possibly comment on whether you're right or wrong. <laughs> um, Do yes. watch it, guys. It's, re- it's, it's really good. I'm enjoying it. We spent ages on it and it cost a lot of money. So fucking come on. Yeah. Get involved. All right. Let's get into this now. First one, this, this song. Listeners, listen out to the sigh at the start of the song because it sounds like he doesn't even want to sing it himself. <laughs> this is, we talked about it a few episodes ago. This is Kavana or Kavanagh. I'm not quite sure. I think Kavanagh. And his song, Will You Wait For Me? Here we go. That's that sigh. Oh, boy. <laughs> Here we fucking go. <laughs> I need to talk with you again Why did you go away? All our time together Just feels like yesterday I never thought I'd see A single day without you The things we take for granted We can sometimes lose I promise not to feel this pain Will I see you again? Will I see you again? Cause time will pass me by Maybe I'll never learn to smile But I know I'll make it through If you wait for me Alright, that's all we'll play. You love it. You're, you're bobbing around. Gay. <laughs> I had actually never heard that song before. I, when you sent me the list, I did. I, just, I thought like, oh, I should listen to ones that I'm not familiar with ahead of time. And I'd never heard that song uh, before in my life. But I, I I'd never I heard it. Either. Yeah, right. I, okay. Do you know what it sounds like? It sounds like uh, like a a song from a high school musical from like a, a Christian college who don't allow their students to listen to pop music for fear it corrupts their mind. And so it's like, because that will you wait for me? That's something that they would say like. Okay, chastity is good. Okay, wait, wait, everyone, wait. Well, yeah, but it's will you wait for me in heaven, isn't it? Oh, is it? Yeah, it probably is. It finishes the chorus too. So it's like, what? what What? else would she do? What does it mean? Will you, when you die, we've broken up with and I'm very sad, or you're dead, I guess, and will you yeah. wait? Will you not have sex? Does this person have to be abstinent in heaven? That's insane. <laughs> yes, you have to wait until your loved one is, <laughs> is dead too. And they get married in heaven? Oh, boy. Um, uh, 
you yeah. mentioned you were in high, in school musicals and musical theatre. How, how many were school ones and how many were out of school? Um, the first ones were, and, and most of them were, were out of school, yes. There was yeah. primary performers, which is like a community group for primary school students, and then holiday actors, which rehearsed all throughout the summer holidays to then put on a show in January, just before I went back to school. Yeah. And I spent every summer doing that. Um, and then I would do the high school musicals as well, but they were never quite... I'd say they never reached the heights of the Hot Actors productions, generally speaking. Because we had a school one, and I was in a after-school drama program as mm-hmm. well, but we never put on productions. It was just like a at the Adult Ed Centre and a bunch of kids. Like, all right, you guys are the kind of misfits. Get to know yep. each other. Uh, but there was open auditions for a, a show from the, uh, I think it was called the Bernie Little Theatre, and it was for kids and teenagers. And mm. I remember they did, a, I think it was Two Gentlemen of Verona, I think might have been the play, but they had ads on TV and I was so jealous, Tom. I was like, what? This is on TV? Like the ads? Oh, this is incredible. And it was a guy called Oliver Clark, not the Oliver Clark who does comedy, but a guy who I went to school with and he was on the ads and I was fucking fuming that I didn't audition for that play. What, so there were ads on TV for the play that was promoting the play. Come up, right. go to the Bernie Bernie Civic Center and watch Two Gentlemen of Verona. Okay, and were they were they good ads or were they local small? No, it was local ads, but yeah, it was on okay. TV. I didn't care if it was good or not. It was like, wow, they're famous. They're famous. Wow. You'll be on TV. Um, well, you showed them all, Joshua. <laughs> sure you got did. on TV, I say. <laughs> sure did. So let's talk, uh, uh, Kavanaugh. I'm going to say Kavanaugh. Now, we spoke about him a few eps ago. English pop star discovered by Take That's manager Nigel Martin-Smith. Now, Nigel was a guy from Manchester who had success in 89 with an act called Damien. And Damien had a hit with a cover of The Time Warp from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Amazing. Then in 1990, he was inspired by New Kids on the Block and held auditions for a boy band. First signed Gary Barlow, who he'd seen performing around town. And Mm -hmm. then... The final piece of that puzzle was 16-year-old body popper, Robbie Williams. Yeah. Now, Robbie and Nigel, they've got a tumultuous working relationship. When Robbie left in 95, under a strict performance and confidentiality agreement, uh, 97, Martin Smith tried to sue Robbie, well, actually did sue him, was successful, for unpaid commission in relation to take that management contracts. Williams then said that uh, Martin Smith had been in breach of his duties and stole from the group. And then the court found that Martin Smith uh, did not steal from the group and Robbie had to had violated his terms, had to pay uh, a sum that they didn't disclose. But Robbie held on to this grudge for over a decade. <laughs> and in 2006, on uh, his album Rude Box, there's a song called The 90s, which pretty much just details his whole life in the 90s going, I was... About to drop out of school, I couldn't concentrate, I was lazy, and then I auditioned and I got the role in Take That. And then I hated one of the guys in it. He was a dick. Or actually says cock because he rhymes it with new kids on the block. And uh, then he says, one of them I love like a brother from another mother. Uh, and then in the original version, he said that he wanted to, um, I've got it. He wanted to gouge Martin Smith's eyes out. And Martin Smith... <laughs> Uh, decided to take legal action again, and he had it removed from the song. And I tried looking for it online. You can't find it. Normally, you can oh, find no. this kind of stuff online. You can't, but you can find a uh, a concert from 2012 where Robbie uh, Williams uh, is about to sing a "Take That" song, 
and then says, oh, and by the way, I'm not allowed, legally allowed to say this, but um, Nigel Martin-Smith did not steal money from us, but he is a first, uh, what is it, a class A cunt. That's, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm team Robbie in this in this interaction, I guess. I, I, I'm always team the performer, not the manager. But sometimes <laughs> there must be some cases where the performer was wrong. But I'm just like, I don't care. I'm perform. I'm I'm with the performer. What's going on with the Robbie Williams biopic in which he plays himself? Question mark. A monkey, but it's as a monkey. Oh, he he plays a monkey, right? Who's also but, observing the the career happening. I don't know how it works. But Alexi told me when we we talked about take that with Alexi, mm. and he said, "Yeah, it's a a monkey is the main role of Robbie Williams," which sounds <laughs> incredible. He has a show. He has a song called "Me and My Monkey" from oh. Escapology. Um, so that I sh- I got I hope to God that that's where it's come from, or there's some kind of link there. But um, I yeah, there's some people who worked explained. on Headlock. <laughs> It was a legal thing with with yeah. this Martin guy. He had to include a monkey as part of the settlement. Some of the people who worked on Deadlock were working on the um on the Robin Williams biopic uh, as well. Yes, they couldn't tell us too much, but yeah, I'm fascinated to see that. I I was under the impression that he was playing himself, which would be the ultimate Robbie Williams move. But I guess right. we'll see. All right, moving on. Okay, this one after Kavanaugh. This one sounds like. Can we just fucking... acknowledge that Kavanaugh has the largest forehead that I've ever seen in my entire life? Just nothing. <laughs> just a huge slab of skin between yeah. eyebrow and hairline. I was in this. Harley Breen mentioned I have a very big forehead as well, and I was like, yeah. I don't think I do, Harley. I think you're just looking at it from a different angle. Like if you look, well, you're very tall, and I'm short, and if you're looking down, down at me, yes, it looks like I've got a big forehead. But if you're looking up, it's fine. It's normal. I think it's also fine. All right. Moving on, this is Sugar Ray and their song, Every Morning. Fuck yeah. pop songs ever written hands down huge fan it is it is a really catchy song and it's hard to hate i mean it's it is very fratty i will say that it's a real <laughs> frat boy song and the line shut the door baby don't say a word doesn't doesn't like bode well 
well, but we'll get to that. He just he wants to do it again. Yeah, you know how much he yeah. wants to do it. I mean, so, I, yeah. So, so I think in the '90s too, I'm watching a lot of video hits and rage. Of course, that's like, and so this, I think the film clip for this song is sort of burnt into my mind. Yeah. Probably the first time I was introduced to the concept of a one night stand, or not that I really knew what that was, but like you know, I could tell there was sexy stuff going on. Yeah. And I would say that this is not as good as when it's over. I think is a superior pop song from uh, Sugar Ray myself. I, but yeah, I think we took, the- we're talking about that in an, a future episode. We've talked about them before. We talked about their song Fly. Uh, but this was from their third album. It was called 1459, which is mm. a bit of a, a joke reference to 15 Minutes of Fame. They're saying, all right, our time's almost up because they oh, had that hit with Fly. And it wasn't up. Little did they know that it was only the beginning because this album <laughs> went four times platinum in the US. Fucking hell. Uh, and because Fly was a departure in sound, they went, oh, let's just try and make other songs that sound like Fly. And so that's what this is. And then they, even on the album, they had lots of different genres on the album. But still yes, I mean, they've much, got it. Yeah. Right. A bare naked ladies kind of vibe, too. A little bit novelty, poppy. They'll try a bunch of different shit. Yeah. 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 Uh, NME reviewed it by saying it's hard to hate, saying it's not inspired stuff, but it's a soundtrack to a pool party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably fair. But you got to think, like, 99 was the year that American Pie came out. Like, that yep. pool party frat guys were, they were kind of in. They were like, the popular thing was, to be kind of aspiring to. Was this on the soundtrack to American Pie? They didn't have it on the soundtrack, I don't think, but they did uh, have a song on the soundtrack, right. I think. This Alexa is clearly a spiritual too. connection between yes. uh, American Pie and, and yeah. Sugar Ray. And the Sugar Ray dudes are douchebags. Do we know this? Isn't the lead singer of Sugar Ray like a bit of a tool? Well, the lead singer, Mark McGrath, I don't think he's a douche. I'm not sure, but I just know he went from this band to hosting kind of like... E News or one of those kind of shows. <laughs> yeah. He's he's in Hollywood. That's that's the thing. He so. was in Entourage, didn't he? End up in Entourage or something? I yeah, think, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, okay. but they had lots of cameos in Entourage. True, true. I think because uh, American Pie at the time, I'm, I'm going to put. I loved that film when it first came out. I was 18. <laughs> I was I was the target target market for it. it mm-hmm. And I will say it's aged poorly, but comedy ages <laughs> poorly. <laughs> comedy ages like fruit, not wine. It goes rotten. Um, I mean, I, I mean, yeah. Was American Pie ever meant to last? Were they ever making no. it be like to be well, one of the all-time greatest comedies? I they mean, made a lot of them. It, it, yes, that's true. It's, they, they definitely got worse. I certainly, yeah. I mean, I reckon that film was popular amongst all my friends at a time when I'm probably asking some questions about yeah. whether. You know, do I want to fuck a pie thinking about a lady or a man? You know, these are big questions that we were tossing around in the Ballard household. Well, not, not the household, just in my head. All right. Moving on. Now, before Cisco and the thong song <laughs> yes. was his band Drew Hill. And this is their song. And I thought I thought they're covering a BG song, which in this podcast, Tom, if you want to hit, cover yep. a BG song. This is right. not a cover of the BG song. This is their own composition called... How deep is your love? How deep? Yeah. <laughs> is that all? Go trademark there. Baby! So this is mainly Cisco, even though it's the band, it's mainly him doing all the vocals. Right. And so, and this is pre-thong song, right? So we're this not- is pre-thong this song, is- yeah. Oh, 
can't go down like me But you know that the nigga can't freak like me So mommy tell me one little thing How deep is your love for me? How deep is your love for me? That's what we'll play. We'll play that. We got the chorus. Cool. It doesn't do a lot for me, I must say. It just makes me want to listen to the thong song or Bye 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 in sync, but that's just me. Had you heard this song before? No, well, no, I, no. When it, when it started playing, I was like, oh, yes, the Cisco was very obviously very familiar, very distinctive, but yeah. just reminds me of the song, song. But I don't think I've heard that one before, no. Yeah, so they're from Baltimore. Uh, they all started working together, not as a band first, but they all got a job in a famous Balt- Baltimore fudgery. <laughs> a fudgery? So, yeah, they were working in the fudgery, and they would sing to the customers as they made fudge. <laughs> Oompa, doompa, doompa, doompa. We're going to make some fudge for you. Um, oh, God. So then they formed a band. They had some R&B hits uh, on the soundtrack to Soul Food and Def Jam's How to Be a Player. And they worked with Babyface, who's been – we've talked about him so much on the podcast. In 97, though, they left Island Records after a worker for Island hit their manager over the head with a pool cue. Now, the story became even bigger because right. it was discovered that the employee who hit the manager had a criminal record. And while on trial, the boss of Island Records, Eric Cronfield, was asked why he hired someone who he knew had a criminal record. And his response, and I'm quoting here, listeners, was that if he were not to hire African-Americans with criminal records, then would, there would be virtually no African-American employees in our society or in our industry. Ooh. Good news he got sacked after this. Like yeah, they were like you can't you can't be the boss. Like yeah, so he was replaced by Motown Records chairman Clarence Avant, and uh, Drew Hill stayed with the record label after that. They went yeah, let's let's stay with his. Um, I mean, small disclaimer: it is good that people are prepared to hire people with criminal records because yes. you can't just not hire anyone with a criminal record. But to <laughs> imply that all black people have a criminal record—that's where he, that's where he falls down. I, I guess yeah. Yeah. Um, so their album was called Enter the Drew. Like Wu-Tang, they were also very much inspired by um, karate and martial arts films and stuff like that. And okay. so this song was used in the Rush Hour soundtrack and it was Shit. their highest charting single. It got to number three in the US, uh, topped the R&B charts, got to 13 in Australia and was the seven, seventh highest selling single of 99 in this country. And so being in a Jackie Chan film, they must have been so happy. It's like, oh, this is so great. So... um. Yeah, we're going to talk and, about and Cisco. And it's a Chris Tucker film as well. Oh, yes, it is a Chris Tucker film. Back. Yeah. He's back. He's, he was in Air, the the Nike propaganda film. Was he? Gosh. Yeah. Did he not get cancelled like for being on um, Jeffrey Epstein's plane? I heard it, was, it wasn't him. I heard it was another Chris Tucker. Oh, it was another Chris Tucker. But I don't, I don't know. There's a, a lot of people who are on that, those planes. Yeah, sure. Hey, we've all made that. Who's no? amongst us? I have not been on the plane. I can, I can say right now. I, I have not been on Jeffrey Epstein's private plane. All right, moving on. We've talked about him so much again. This is the fifth single. I think probably the sixth time we've talked about him. This is from their album, Talk on Corners. It was written about their parents. It's The Cause and their song, So Young. Yay. 
I was just looking up. I was trying to remember. Have you discussed Jim Cor and his wacky views? Yeah, we have. We've talked about him about six times. So he came up in like the first or second episode. Okay, having to go, there was, we had to spread it across two episodes. Um, and I have talked about the, the, also the girls in the cores, the sisters, saying, "Yeah, we've all got those family members that we might not not agree with a hundred percent, but we still love them." And so, yeah, they're st- standing up for him. That's kind of sweet. Now, this I mean, was... 9-11 Truth is probably the most, the least harmful conspiracy theory you can get on board with, I suppose. Like, you're just sort of debating about what happened ages yeah. ago. You're not doing anything about it. So it's it's, it's less harmful than um, Foo Fighters, HIV, AIDS the theories. To be fair. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. That um, people anyway, don't really talk about... Or don't... I mean, I know it's not Dave Grohl, but you've got to... He's in your band. You've got to kind of be held accountable, like... Well, they played gigs as a band. They played like fundraiser gigs for for the charity for that lady. Yeah, they really they um they got involved. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so this uh, song was the album version, uh, which was on the compilation. Cause they also very pro AIDS. We should say very yes. cause. We're very pro HIV AIDS. They completely endorse that science. Whenever they're asked about it, they, they absolutely acknowledge the link between HIV and AIDS. So God bless. <laughs> uh, there was a single remix by K Class, which was the one that like made it into the charts but 100% hits didn't have that one on the compilation so it was that thing of like oh not that they were trying to trick you but it was like this is the version we've got uh the label didn't like this song and they wanted to chuck it off the album and the band fought for it really hard and said no you've got to put this song on the album not only do we think it's a good song but it's a song written about our parents and we're a family band so put it on the album they were vindicated because it got to number six on the uk charts it's, I don't know what it is about chord songs. Like, yeah, just beautiful harmonies. I guess you kind of swept up in the little romance too, a little Irish folklore, completely yeah. harmless. Um, yeah, just very charming. And I guess it, they would have sounded so different compared to most other stuff on the radio, you know, when there's so much other poppy stuff. It's kind yeah. of this weird, folky, indie kind of um, very, very soft rock vibe. Well, my thing, I reckon the label probably wanted a more Celtic kind of sound going on. This is... <laughs> This is too commercial. You're going to lose the hardcore core fans. The hardcore, oh, yeah. Right. Uh, you, need, you need like the Bewitched, where there's the little Irish dancing solo in uh, roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, they're a family band. Can you imagine being in a band with your brother? 
Um, no, we both learnt the piano and we both sort of, yeah, learnt um, Ben Fold's songs. And I always think of my poor fucking parents because our piano was in a room that was like in a very open area. Yeah. And so we we're both learning how to play Ben Fold's, which, you know, like the harder. You're both, like... you're both singing about abortions. You're both in the lounge. She's <laughs> <laughs> going, she's a brick. Um, and, and angry dwarfs, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was like the louder stuff. Like you know, Ben Folds really on, on, on the on the loud stuff. He really pubbles it. So um, God bless them for putting up with that. But no, he and I never really played together. I guess we we're in musicals together, but no, I, I don't think we. You both did radio in Warrnambool though, because I know you uh, and Alex Dyson started there, and your brother and Michael Williams, comedian Michael Williams, had yes. their show. Indeed, yes, they were the inspiration. They were doing it three way FM. If you paid a like 10 bucks or something, you could host a show at that station for a year. Nice. And um, yeah, Gavin Michael did it, and then Alex and I did it, and then <laughs> Triple J got so desperate, we ended up hosting the fucking breakfast show. Because uh, Bernie didn't have a community radio station when I was there, not that I knew of. Launceston had one. It was called mm. City Park Radio, and it was oh. broadcast from the Monkey Park there. And my friend Emily, when I was at uni, had a show there, and so she'd get me on to play some songs as in like not me personally get take a guitar but i'd go in there and i'd probably the first person in all of launceston to, to play the strokes on radio That's, whoa yeah. Yeah. were the Would monkeys a, involved at all the, the, the monkeys the monkeys those monkeys are great it's such a like i mean they i think they've all got um some illness i'm not sure <laughs> Um, but <laughs> no, it didn't start there. Uh, and, <laughs> but it is good cool. if you tell someone go to Launceston and go to the park, and there's just some monkeys just kicking about yeah, in the never park. Done it, it's cool. Yeah, I've been to Lonnie a few times. I should, uh, I should definitely go next time. Yeah, go across. All right, now this is a song, it baffles me why it is big. It is very big though. Mm-hmm. It is DJ Saken and Friends <laughs> and their song, Protect Your Mind, brackets, Braveheart. Here we go. Let's get a bit weird, guys. Oh, boy. Have you watched Braveheart? I have, yes. Um, great film. It's wildly historically inaccurate, my understanding is. But a wonderful romp. I don't know what the fuck this is, but... So, you know, Braveheart was released three years before this. Okay, so I don't know. I had never heard this before, and I don't know the story or the relationship. I'm going to skip forward a bit, just so the listeners realise why they're... There we go. Anyway, so it was a Braveheart, Braveheart club anthem. 
So okay. now is that is that refrain? Is that from the original music? The, yeah, the, the so, sport, so that's from song? James the Horner's "For the Love of a Princess" that was used in the film Braveheart. So DJ Saken and Friends, it's a Turkish slash German trans producer. His name is Saken Bozkurt. And he it was originally called Protect Your Mind Brackets for the Love of a Princess. Yeah. But everyone just called, started calling it the Braveheart song. So they changed it to Protect Your Mind Brackets Braveheart. <laughs> it went to number one in Scotland. Oh, my God, of course. In 98, three years after Braveheart came out, this went to number one. Uh, the friends are Torsten Stenzel and the singer is Janet Taylor. And this is the fact that blew my mind. They still, this was their, their biggest song. They had one more song after this that, and that's about it. They still have, according to Spotify, 206,187 monthly listens. <laughs> Who is listening to this in 2023? I... I guess it's maybe nostalgia at this point. It's probably just you doing this podcast. Yeah, I've listened to it 206,000 times this month. <laughs> just to get, I really go deep on these podcasts. Yeah, you prepare. So the refrain, the do do do, that yeah. was an instrumental on the original score, and then they added the lyrics. Brave Braveheart. <laughs> I kind of like that. I think so kind of cool. James Horner, who wrote the score, incredible CV he had. So he he wrote scores for the Land Before Time. Mm-hmm. The original Jumanji. Oh, wow. Braveheart. Apollo 13. Titanic, yeah. which he won the Oscar for Best Original Score. Also, he won the Oscar for co-writing My Heart Will Go On, which won Best wow. Original Song uh, with Will Jennings. And then he vowed never to work with James Cameron again because he worked with him on Aliens. And then he said, all right, I'll work on Titanic. Good thing he did. Yeah. He also uh, worked on Avatar, A Perfect Storm, a Beautiful Mind, and <laughs> the CBS Evening News theme song. All his. Why did he say he didn't want to work with James? I mean, I guess I can understand why, but like clearly he, he had James he just, Cameron and then eventually relented and said, yes, I will do Avatar. Yeah, I think it maybe money talks and he went, oh, all right. Yeah. Or maybe he had stuff in his contract going, all right, I'll do it, but you can't be in the room with me. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. James Cameron seems like the type of guy who is a bit intense. Yes, I've got that impression. No notes. You can't give me notes on this yeah. score. Um, wow, he's like, I've never heard of this guy, but there's a man, he's like, I know John Williams is a famous yeah. film composer, but he's like, definitely out there. Hey. So James, unfortunately he, he died in 2015. He was quite young. He's only like in his 50s, but he mm. was flying a light aircraft. There were no other passengers and yeah, he crashed. And um, mm. it's, it's 2015. Did they play the Bravehearts theme at his funeral? Exactly. They would have played so many songs to choose from. On my head, oh, brave heart. DJ Saken and friends were the pallbearers. No, they were. <laughs> 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 All right, hey, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back after these messages. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And we're back. All right. The second half of Side B, kicking oh off with an absolute banger, Tom Ballard. 
<laughs> you mentioned you liked the Spice Girls as a child. Yes. This is Jerry's first solo single. Oh, my God. From her album, Schizophonic. <laughs> this is called Look At Me. I don't think you can call them schizophrenic anymore. I think you have to say neurodiverse. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Good looking. There we have it. Sounds a lot like a little bit of history repeating. Oh, boy. Um, what? Well, that is a Shirley Bassey song. History repeating? No, Look At Me is, isn't it? No. No, it's not. not. No. Really? No. This one was written by Jerry and songwriters Andy Watkins and Paul Wilson, who oh. their production company is called Absolute. They wrote the first two Spice Girls albums with the Spice Girls. Right. And then when Jerry went solo and wanted to work with them, the Spice Girls, the remaining Spice Girls said, you either work with Jerry or you work with us. You can't do both. And they went, all right, we choose Jerry. Shit. Yeah. Oh, I could have sworn that this was an actual Shirley Bassey song. That's why I thought, like, why are you covering Shirley Bassey? But no, okay, it's just history repeating. It's so goddamn similar. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, then maybe I like it a little bit more than I thought I did. So... Um, such a clear memory of hearing Shirley Bassey sing that song, but it clearly, yeah, it's such a such a tribute slash ripoff. I guess the, the two are undeniably linked. It went to number one in New Zealand, got to three here, but yeah. didn't get to number one in the UK. Got to number two, right? And it was kept off to number one, the number one spot by Boyzone's "You Needed Me," and they fucking cheated. Those dirty little cheating pricks, because this is what they did. They released two versions, two different versions of the same single, so two different covers. Right. So boys and boys own fans would buy both of them. Going, I want to include, I want both of them. And so oh. they, but that included as one single, even though there was two different versions of it. Oh, God, so that Jerry is was robbed, absolutely robbed. robbed, and she only lost by seven hundred uh, sales. Damn. Yeah. God, and I would have thought it would split the vote, but yes, right. If you're counting all the sales of the same yeah. thing as the one song, then you, yeah, you, you're screwed. And she believed that her career would be over in six months because of it. She thought, oh, that's it. If I didn't go number one, people are going to think I'm a failure. But she oh did get God. a number one with her next single, which we'll talk about in a couple of episodes' time. Um, that's so This funny. song is the only Spice Girls solo song to appear on their jukebox musical Viva Forever. Oh, okay. Yeah, out of all the other, like... Like all of Mel B's, all of Mel C's, all of Baby Spices, they were like, "No, this is the only one that we're gonna gonna have." But <laughs> um, did all the Spice Girls work on Viva Forever on the on the musical? Well, I don't think they were. I think it was just a. I, I guess they got paid because their songs were involved, and it must have been consultants. They weren't like in the in the show. 
in it. Yeah, didn't Jennifer Saunders write the book for that or something? Oh, did I don't know. I don't know. Um, mm. I, look, I think this song's great. I really do. And I think the fact it that is great. Yeah, I trying to sound like Shirley Bassey means it doesn't get dated for that '99 sound. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean it's such a weird move, but again, I just have such a strong impression that that was a Shirley Bassey song that she was covering, and I was like, why, Jerry, would you cover one of the most defining vocalists of all time with Jerry Hallowell? But um, no, it is a very fun, yeah, soul bossa nova uh, jaunt, and I do, I do remember enjoying this song very much. Um, um, but surely Shirley Bassey would have been like, oi. <laughs> What the fuck? I, I think I may have made a mistake with the Boyzone stuff. They didn't have two different covers because Jerry had two different covers. They had two different singles you could buy, but that included as the one single. So I think there were some extra songs on one or different songs on another, but they counted as the one single. Because right, Jerry's exactly. cover, she had two different One with an angel, which is in white, and one was the devil in red. Uh. Yeah. And on the O of – oh, that was the album. On the O, it was like on schizophonic – there was a halo on the O or devil horns on it. But hang on. So it's the same album, but just different covers? Two different covers. Yeah, you could have the, the, the white one or the red one. Come on. Which one would you buy, the angel or the devil? <laughs> oh, you know me. I'm naughty. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What, the night, is it, <laughs> so the 90s, people are just releasing the same album with different covers and the insane fans are buying both? Yeah, and they're wondering why people started downloading music for free. They're going, yeah. We're being ripped off here. Um, schizophonic, by the way. Oh, it it doesn't sound like it's dated too greatly. But if you go back even further, Latin, it does makes sense. So schizo in, is the word for split or divide, mm-hmm. and phonic meaning sound. And she's just split from the Spice Girls. So, I mean, it's a hard sell with twenty twenty three years. But like that's that was the thinking behind it. Okay, right. And also a pun on schizophrenic. Yep. I was like the single of just, look at me. Look yeah. at me over here. I'm Jerry Hallowell. Forget the Spice Girls. Look at me. <laughs> this place yep. is free. Now buy two covers albums. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Our first Australian for this side of the podcast. This is Alicia Rome and her song, One of Us Has Changed. Never heard of this before. Me either. <laughs> Sounds like someone at the label was like, let's try and find an Australian like Dawson's Creek theme. 
Yes. Or oh, when when is Natalie Brulia's torn? Is this kicking around? Is that two thousand or something? No, that was like ninety seven. Oh, a bit earlier. Okay, right. Yeah. Very Natalie Brulia. I really like it. I think like it's it's quite a cool pop song, and I can imagine that song being covered for like like a version by some new cool band, and everyone be like, oh my god, this is yeah. amazing. I think it's like a got some good hooks going on, yeah. and yes, that kind of embrolia level emotional appeal. I I think it's quite good. Yeah. Well, uh, she's from Adelaide. This is her debut single. She started singing in karaoke competitions at age nine and then 17 oh moved to Sydney and dreams of making it as a singer. So she answered a street press ad wanting singers by singing in a tape. And so she said, all right, here's me. She record, went to a karaoke bar, recorded the set and sent in what she, what she recorded. Wow. She got signed to Albert Music, which was the label that owned the rights to ACDC songs. So, you know, they've, they've got some money. They also yep. they have a diverse range of acts. So Lee Kernahan. The Rogue Traders and Joe Dolce's Shut Up Your Face was put out by Albert Music. Number one single. Oh, the great. So this got to 56 in the charts here. She released a full-length album, but two years later, she was frustrated with the label saying they're not really doing anything and they were too controlling. And so she packed up, she moved to the UK, and with a new country, she came up with a new name and she started gigging as Ivy York. Oh, as Ivy York, she was signed to Rough Trade Records in the UK. So, for those listeners, that's the uber cool record label. It was like the Smiths, Jarvis Cocker, the Strokes, They Were Giants, Bell and Sebastian. My favorite artist of all time, Jonathan Richmond, was signed to Rough Trade. And so, I'm going to play her a song. Play a song from her 2010 album called uh, "The Call of Spring." This song is called "Island Song," and so you've just heard what she was doing with Albert Music. So, this is what she's doing on Rough Trade. It's very different, but I really like it. It's like quite country. Here is a story strange but true. There it began in what I knew. Or still the outcome hangs in time. My destiny I'm yet to find. Yeah. So that's 2010. So that's, you know, you remember like, Regina Spector and Kate Nash and all those kind of bands were around at that time. And then there was Holly Golightly, who was kind of like Jack White always talked about Holly Golightly. I think Holly Golightly appeared on Elephant, I think, their thing. And so that kind of like country sound was influencing kind of the indie scene at the time. And I think, yeah, that's what Ivy York's going for with that. Wow. what a Yeah, I've never heard of... Either of them, either Relief Rome or Ivy York, but um, there you go. Well, here's the sad thing Ivy York no longer singing. She retired um, after developing spasmodic dysphonia. And that's when your muscles uh, that generate the uh, voice they start spasming, and they're like, it could be from either overuse or just psychological stress. It affects Ooh. two in 100,000 people and affects women more than men. And so the chances that it affected a singer as well is, yeah. yeah. Super sad. Yeah. But that's, God. that is Alicia Rome. And that's, uh, we will talk about her again in a future episode. All right. Another Australian. You've definitely heard this song. I'm sure you've even interviewed this band. This is Spiderbait and their song, Shazam.
that's all we can play because the song only goes for two minutes. You can only play 40%. So there we go. <laughs> um, great band. Always great songs. Also very handy if, um, you know, because you, you've got a time out at the top of the hour when you're on radio. So you need yep. to play a song. So often if you've got only, you know, yeah, three minutes left and you have nothing else to say that you've already said, like, oh, stick around after the news. We've got this tech stuff coming up. And then you go, boom, spider bait, two minutes. Thank you very much. There you Buy go. me a pony, one minute 58. Don't all, mind if I do. All you listeners out there with bands, write short songs and get write played at the end of the, end of the show. Yeah, you'll get in there. Okay, so, look, I think Spider Bait, it's, it's weird because people love them. I actually think they're somewhat underrated as a band as well. Mm. I think people, like, either take them for granted. Every single time I've seen Spider Bait play, I've had a great time yeah. and I forget how many actually great songs they have. Mm. Not just the big hits, not just like Black Betty, Buy Me a Pony, Calypso, but like songs like this, which, you know, I'm never spinning Grand Slam, the album this is from around the house, but it's really good every time I listen to it. Uh, This song got uh, number 44 on the Aria charts and number 40 on the Hottest 100 that year. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, just beloved. I mean, and I must say at the time in the 90s, I certainly wasn't into Spider Bait. And then when I started working at Triple J, you sort of, inevitably it comes up as like a classic hit that you play every now and again on the playlist. Yeah. People love it. Every time you played a spider bait song, people were like, um, yeah, they're having a great time. Got to interview Cram a couple of times. Very funny guy. Yes. And seeing them live is, is a real, yeah, real experience. So yeah, it's sort of one of those classic kind of even something for Kate. I'd say, I mean, something for Kate are revered, but these bands that have been around for so long and have been so good for so long that yeah. they just sort of, um, part of the the atmosphere of Australian music and maybe don't always yeah um, as heralded as much as they should be that's really because something for Kate are one of those bands that I've recently started listening to again mainly because you know how Triple J are doing their hottest 100 of like a version mm. and Paul Dempsey from he does uh, a great cover of the Mill Kids so many yeah. great covers, great and he's got such it. a great voice yeah. but yeah. when when that band first started, the joke was you could do a Paul Dempsey voice very easy. Go, a million miles an hour. All the songs that they sung. But then you listen to him do covers. Tom, he sings like a bird. He's got the voice of an angel. Yeah. And when you listen to what he's doing, like songs, like songs like Monster, what he's doing on those songs is, is pretty incredible, yeah. Um, hey, so Grand Slam, that was the album after their big album, Ivan the Big Apples. And... It's funny because I was looking at some reviews for it and it's people like saying that oh, it's mainly Janet English uh, singing on it and they're delving more into pop songs than their mm. previous stuff. And I listened to both albums back to back and I don't think there's much difference. I think just because she was working with Quan on Happy Land stuff, the people just went, oh, they're doing pop songs now. But it was that thing of like, I think just because they had some like different instruments that weren't just guitars and bass and drums. Do they think that's a pop song? That, yeah, that, I'd say that. No, probably not this one, but yeah. But definitely yeah. Uh, there's some Glock and Pop. I mean, it's got pop in the title, so sometimes reviewers are very lazy. <laughs> that riff, though, on Shazam is fucking sick. It's great. Like, that's, like uh, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I just think the, band would, pop, yeah. I think the band was just better in the studio. That's all. And so it sounds a bit, like, fresher. I don't know. Okay. It's it's so weird reading old reviews. Just like going, nah. And I'm like, I reckon this reviewer's just got older and um, doesn't really understand bands. Anyway, 
I wouldn't put them in. There are some bands that certainly got shinier and slicker over time too. Like it's like to me, the Black Keys, the way the way the Black Keys have moved from, you know, literally yeah, guitar and bass to sort of a very big commercial sound or yeah. Birds of Tokyo, I think. But the, the Birds of Tokyo evolution has been pretty bonkers from, you know, really kind of hard, interesting um, prog rock to top 40 um, kind of uh, stuff that isn't quite my vibe. I've yeah. sort of lost track of Birds of Tokyo over time. But yeah, I, I don't think you could say Spider Beta followed that trajectory. The band that I always think of is Snow Patrol. And so. <laughs> yes. Right. Before they, they, they had, released some albums, right? Before, yeah, before, before they had that Chasing Cars song, which was played on Grey's Anatomy, yes. they had a bu- bunch of albums which were really kind of that kind of Scottish indie sound that I really loved. Mm-hmm. And then he had the main guy had a band called the Reindeer Section, which just used a whole bunch of uh, Scottish musicians, like so Bell and Sebastian were in it, and um, I think P- Camera Obscura. Anyway, um, the Arab stuff were on it. But it was that thing of like, and then they released Chasing Cars and that got huge. And then every mm. album after that was like, all right, well, we're going to do the thing that made us a lot of money. And you go, yeah, why wouldn't you? Like at the time I was like, oh, they've, they've sold out. But I'm like, yeah, I would too. I've been slugging around for 15 years trying to do this. And now I've gotten onto something that's going to make me lots of money. All right, I'll do that. <laughs> I'll do that, please. That seems sensible. <laughs> all right. Someone else who's got a lot of money is our next act. This is, <laughs> he's back, people. The man with the leather pants and the big old dick. It's Lenny Kravitz and Fly Away. <laughs> Let that dick fly away, Lenny. <laughs> like him in the breeze. Lenny Kravitz. Okay, a true testament to how great a musician he was and how good those riffs are to, to back up some of the worst lyrics written of all time, hands down. I could fly. <laughs> so, did he rhyme fly with butterfly? <laughs> I would fly. Where do you want to fly, Larry? Uh, Lenny? Up into the sky, please. <laughs> above, above the trees, if possible. Well, <laughs> Look, I'm not going to say this song was rushed, but this is how the song was written, okay? Okay. So he was in the studio. They just finished the album. He was just in the studio. They got a new amp for the studio. So he was just testing it, a guitar on the amp, and just playing open chords, A, C, G, and D. And before he knew it, he had the song structured down and said to the engineer, turn the mics on, let's get this down. And so just wrote it in the studio. You don't say. It got number one in in Iceland. Top 10 in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, 12 in the US. It also won the Grammy for Best Male Rock Vocal. (laughs) 
I mean, again, he's singing his heart out. It's great. It's just the, the words that he's saying are absolute trash, but oh well. So this is from his album Five, which was his fifth album. Uh, already turned it in. The label were happy with it. Like, this is great. Thanks, Lenny. We're going to put it out. And then he had this, and he was going to use it as a B-side. He played it to a friend who said, if you don't put that on your album, I'm going to be so pissed off at you. <laughs> and so he got in contact with the label and said, I've got another song. And then, oh, well, we're happy with the album as it is. And then they played him the song, and they're like, yeah, we're going to put this on. The rest is history. So uh, the album, though, I thought this album was huge, but it started off as a real slow burn. Like, it was real lukewarm reviews saying not one of his best albums. It's a bit middling. Ended up selling 8 million copies worldwide, uh, mainly thanks to a reissue the following year because it included the song that he recorded for the Austin Powers film, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Uh, that song was his cover of American Woman. Yes, well, this is it. This is, this is massive. Well, that song also won the best uh, rock vocal in the Grammys in 2000. And then he went on to win the next two after that as well. For four years in a row, he won best male rock vocal. He holds the record. As the most number of wins. Tom, Lenny Kravitz is America's greatest rock singer, <laughs> according to the Grammys. <laughs> Whose opinion we respect very, very much. Bruce Springsteen um, came in at three. He's got three of them. God damn. That is impressive. Yes, America. I mean, yeah, this song, maybe are you going to go my way? Yeah. I just saw came out way earlier, but I associate that song with Lenny Kravitz. But this song, this and American Woman to me are very, very large in my memory of late 90s music, of watching video hits, of seeing Lenny Kravitz and some kind of sexual awakening going on. Still asking, again, raising those questions. Who is this man? Um, he's sexy, sexy guitar. And uh, he just, I mean, yes, he's like, he's Hendrix. He's like a, yeah. a reincarnated Hendrix in a way. That's probably very offensive. But um, he certainly had that vibe. Yeah, look, I, I was not a big fan of Lenny Kravitz before doing this podcast. And yep. now I'm like, he seems like a cool guy. I'm not. <laughs> he does seem good. He's a really good actor too. He's like, yep. he's people at acting too. He's great. His daughter seems like she's fun. She's cool. Yep. I didn't watch any further from the first episode of High Fidelity. I thought, oh, this is just a remake of the film. I don't need to watch this. It's fine. Uh, no. um, she's in that Batman one too, isn't she? She's, um, I think she was Catwoman. Oh, um, which is in the Robert Patterson one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Didn't watch it. Sorry, Hamo. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> our last song, our last song for volume 28. We've talked about his half-sister, and now it's Eagle Eye's turn. This is Eagle Eye Cherry and his song, an absolute classic, Save Tonight. All we need is candlelight You and me and a bottle of wine And I'll hold you tonight uh, Well, we know I'm going away And how I wish, I wish you were so So take this wine and drink with me Let's delay our misery Say tonight Fight the break of dawn, come tomorrow Tomorrow I'll be gone, save tonight Fight 
Okay, that's it. No notes. No notes for me. It's, it's really Nothing good. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> okay, so he is the half-brother of Nana Cherry. He is the classmate of Jennifer Aniston and Chaz Bono. What? They were in the same class. They went to that performing arts school in, in New York. Oh, okay. Uh, this is his most recognisable song. It only got to 20 here on the charts, which surprised oh, really? me. I thought it was, yeah. yeah. But it, I think it has the staying power because... I reckon every covers band in Australia has played it for the last 20 years in pubs. Yes, yes big time. Yeah. It got to five in the States, two in his home country of Sweden, also big in New Zealand where it was voted the song of the year on their youth radio station, The Edge. It was also given the Swedish song of the year at their equivalent of their arias, their, their song awards. So he's Swedish. Yes. And his actual name is Eagle Eye. His name is actually Eagle Eye. So I looked into this. So his dad named him because when he first looked at his dad, he did it with one eye closed. And so he was very close to being called Blinky. (laughs) Blinky Cherry. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, great. So you rate this song? Oh, it's. I mean, again, with all these, it's impossible for me to separate the sentimental attachment and memories of surroundings. Because I guess that that's the nature of art. But I just think it's, yeah, it's a lovely '90s pop song. Great hooks. I think I also sometimes either confused it with, or just associated with Hey Leonardo, Blessed Union of Souls, as well. Okay, it's another yep. fantastic song. But um. Well- yeah, and I think they're on a boat in the film clip. Am I remembering that right? I, I think to... I, I know it's black and white. I think they're driving at one point. We talked yeah. about the the guy who actually did the film clip. He died. He he was. I think he also directed the Cranberries. I, I don't know, but we talked about another episode. But he was really young and up and coming, but died. Maybe he died in a car accident. That's what I'm thinking of uh, a car. But um, yeah. Eagle Eye Cherry wrote this song and then was convinced that he'd ripped off another musician. He was like, "It's too good," like. <laughs> And he played it to everybody. I do that with my jokes all the time. I finish writing a joke and I go, come on, this is incredible. This is too good. But he said he played it to everyone he was seeing, going, hey, have you heard this song before? And he played, and they're like, no, no, never heard that song before. And so he's like, all right, I must have written it. It's mine. Incredible stuff. Incredible move. What a lovely realization. It's like uh, Paul McCartney waking up with yesterday in his head. Yeah. Eggs and bacon. (laughs) All right. We are now at the point where we, you, Tom Ballard, you mm. tell me how many percentage of hits this album has. So we'll go through them one by one. So we have yep. Kavanaugh, Will You Wait For Me? Hit, not a hit. Not a hit for me. Not a hit. Every Morning by Sugar Ray. That's a fucking hit, baby. That's a hit. How Deep Is Your Love by Drew Hill? Uh, no, not a hit for me. So Young by The Cause? Hit. <laughs> Protect Your Mind. Brackets, Braveheart, DJ Sarkin. I mean, I have to go with the the data and the cultural impact, and I guess I appreciate the fact that it's even here in the conversation. I'm going to say it's a hit. 206,000 listeners, can't be wrong. <laughs> Look at Me by Jerry Halliwell. Um, well, fair play, it is a hit. I, I previously had thought it was just ripping off Shirley Bassey, and it still kind of is. <laughs> yeah. But I guess is it technically is it legally a Shirley Bassey song, then full credit to Jerry Hallowell and her songwriting team. It's a hit. <laughs> One of Us Has Changed by Alicia Rome. Uh, not a hit, but still cool. Yeah. Shazam, Spider Bait. Yeah, it's a hit, baby. 
Fly away, Lenny Kravitz. Hit, hit, hit. And saved tonight by Eagle Eye Cherry. Uh, ding, 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 ding. That's a bloody hit. That is 70% hits. That's a good score. That's a very good That's score. That's really good. No, it was a, look, 99 is a great year. Imagine listening to Eagle Eye Cherry, watching The Matrix. Oh, what a dream. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for doing this, Tom. Hey, have you got anything to plug? Deadlock, obviously. Uh, Yes, please just watch Deadlock. It's uh, it's on Prime Video. First three episodes are out at the time of recording, and it's going to be week to week, and there's eight episodes all up. And yeah, we'd love people to watch it. And if you're watching it on Prime Video, you can click this like town hall bonus content too, which is something that I hosted. It's me talking to cast and crew about every episode. So if you want to find out more behind the scenes, what the Kates were doing in the writing and building the characters and funny stuff that happened on set, um, check out those bonus little um, town halls. They're called the Deadlock Town Halls, if you get a chance. And if you're in Melbourne, I'm doing my show It Is I at the Comedy Republic as part of the Replay Festival on the 9th of July. And there are still some tickets left for that. Excellent. Hey, thanks everyone for being Patreon subscribers as well. If you're not and you want to hear, we have a, a bumper hit machine coming up. It was a, a two CDs, 30, 30 songs instead of the usual 20. I really, really had a great time when I saw that on the lineup. I got to research for 30 songs. So they'll be coming out later this week. Um, yeah, so if you want to become a Patreon subscriber, go to patreon.com slash D-Y-K-W-I-A. It's in the show notes here. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Gompies. I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thanks. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.